0: Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week, our podcast features an episode of Crime Club called Dead Man Control. It first aired on March 20th, 1947.
1: Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Dead man control. Yes, we have that crime club story for you. Come right over. Hmm. the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is, Dead Man Control, by Helen Riley, the very absorbing story of a murder in which Cupid held the hand of death. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was late morning, and in the library of a mansion on East 67th Street, multi-millionaire Fenimore Kingston was standing before the wall safe he had just opened. He smiled. And then, as he reached in... <laughs> two hours later, Inspector Christopher McKee was in his office at police headquarters on Center Street when the telephone rang. <laughs> Inspector McKee talking. How's that, Good morning.
2: This is Castle Kingston.
1: Yes? This is Fenimore Kingston. Oh, Yes.
3: A husband's been murdered. Can you come? Our home is on East 67th Street. All
1: right, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yes, sir. Cassidy, order my car. We're going uptown.
2: Yes, sir. how are you... And
1: don't stop to ask about anybody's health. I'm in a hurry. Please go on, Mrs. Kingston.
2: Well, Inspector... As soon as I saw that open wall safe, I thought my husband had been killed by a burglar. hmm So while I was waiting for you, I checked the contents. The money and the bonds were still there. But... Yes? The diamond ring that Fenimore gave me after our wedding three months ago. Let's go.
1: That wouldn't be the well-publicized Kingston diamond, would it?
2: It would, Inspector. And it's worth a half a million dollars.
1: Yes, but the cash and those negotiable bonds...
2: I can't understand why they weren't taken to. Very
1: unusual thief, to say the least. Where were you when the miracle happened?
2: Out. I went out early this morning. I was restless. Why? I was tired of doing nothing. So I took the car and drove until I was tired of driving. Alone? Sticked in the
1: key. Don't be a lie, Mrs. Kingston. I'm not insinuating. That's your tone. Merely professional. Now, according to the medical examiner, your husband was shot in the back and death was instantaneous about two hours ago. Who was in the house with him then? I don't know. What about the servants? Did they go out driving too?
2: We have no servants.
1: In this big house?
2: They quit last night. Oh? Don't let it surprise you, Inspector. Fenimore was not an easy person to get along with.
1: Mrs. Kingston... For your special information, I don't let anything surprise me. Uh, Excuse me, sir. What is it, Catherine? It's about the murder weapon. Did you find it? Uh, No, sir. There ain't a trace of it in the house. Uh, Me and the boys have looked in every nook and... All right, Catherine. Yes, sir. Oh, my. What's the matter? Over there, Inspector. Peep it out from under that corner of the window drape. It shines like a diamond. It is a diamond. Well, if it is, then the saints preserve us. It must be as big as an eyeball. Yes. Well, Mrs. Kingston. My ring. No burglary, huh?
2: It doesn't seem so, does it? But how did that ring get under the train?
1: The law of gravity. It fell when your husband fell, after he was shot. And it either rolled or bounced. You can take your pick.
2: I'll take the ring, if you don't mind.
1: Later. Right now, it's evident. But it's mine. We'll take good care of it. Come on, Catherine. Uh, I'll be finished here, sir. For the time being, goodbye, Mrs. Kingston.
2: Goodbye, Inspector.
1: It uh, Inspector McKee, if it's one question I might ask, yeah. go ahead. Uh, what's the ring got to do with the cadaver we carried upstairs? I think it killed him. To deputy's sake. Don't lead me on, Sergeant. I have no time to explain. It. If you say so, Inspector. Going back to my office, I want you to go to the telephone company. Get a list of every call that's been made from or to this house in the last two days. Report to me at headquarters. Yes, sir. but there's one thing that... Now the... what? It's that girl in there, Mrs. Kingston. Uh Now, I've been on the force for 32 years, and it's a fine education I've got about the good and the bad in people. Not now, Cassie. When a girl, young and beautiful, marries a man twice her age and a millionaire, she didn't marry him for love.
2: Is this Michael Dolger's apartment? Yes. Who is this?
3: Amy Cloverson, why?
2: Oh, this is Catherine Kingston. Let me talk to Michael, please.
3: You might ask me how I'm feeling.
2: Please, Amy. After
3: all, you did get what I wanted.
2: I want to speak to Michael.
3: I'll ask him how he feels about it. Hold the wire. Don't wind it too tightly around your neck, dear. Hello, Cathy. What's she doing
2: there?
1: Oh, she just dropped in for a cocktail. Oh, it
2: doesn't matter. I want you to meet me right away. Where? Central Park, inside the 72nd Street entrance. I'll pick you up in my car.
1: Mm, All right. What's her office about?
2: Fenimore's dead. What What did you say? He was murdered this morning. Good grief. Maybe, uh,
3: maybe I'd better come over.
2: No. The police are here, dozens of them all over the place. Meet me in half an hour. And come alone. (laughs) How did you manage it? I didn't. What? I couldn't get out without being seen. Michael, I'm in trouble.
1: But if the police followed you...
2: Is that all you care about? Your precious hide? Well,
1: it's the only one I've got...
2: Well, you don't have to worry. I wasn't followed.
1: Are you sure? Yes,
2: look for yourself. Is there a police car behind it?
1: No, but...
2: Michael, really, I'm in serious trouble.
1: How was Fenimore killed?
2: He was shot. And the police think I did it.
1: You? Have they said so? Well,
2: not in words they haven't that Inspector McKee. He thinks he's very clever.
1: Oh, well, you should have left me alone, Kathy. I
2: couldn't. I had to speak to you. Oh, why
1: don't you do it on the phone?
2: I didn't want to incriminate you? you. What? Suppose one of those policemen had been listening at the door.
1: Well, suppose.
2: He'd have heard me asking you about that appointment you had with Fenimore this morning. That I had? Just about the time he was killed. Now,
1: wait a minute. I had no appointment with Fenimore.
2: That's not the truth. He phoned you and asked you to come over.
1: Did he tell you that? No. Then how do you know so much?
2: I was listening in on the upstairs extension.
1: Oh. How much did you hear?
2: He wanted you to meet him at the house at 11 o'clock. It was very important.
1: Anything else?
2: No, I put the receiver down. It was half past ten, and I wanted to be out of the house before you arrived. Really? I didn't know what he was going to talk to you about. I was afraid it might be us.
1: So you ran away. That's too bad. Why? Because if you'd stayed, you'd have learned something.
2: Didn't he talk to you about us?
1: No, dear. Well,
2: then what did he? I don't know.
1: I wasn't there. What? That's right. Fenimore wanted to see me, but I didn't want to see him, and I told him so.
2: You told Fenimore? Yes, I did. <laughs>
1: the great mammoth. Well, wasn't it about time?
2: I'd like to believe that much.
1: Then do. I got tired of being my cousin's errand boy and of running to him every time he beckoned.
2: But you're allowed.
1: I told him what to do with that too. But it doesn't make any difference now, does it? No. You're free, and we'll have all the money we both need.
2: That's putting
1: it very bluntly. Why not? He never cared for anyone, including you. You were the most beautiful thing he ever saw, and he wanted you. It's just as simple as that.
2: I, I know all about You're it.
1: All All right. I'll shut up. Kathy?
2: Yes?
1: Did you really go out this morning?
2: I said I did. Of course.
1: But I was just thinking, what a wonderful opportunity you had alone in that house with yeah? Uh-huh. Good work, Gordon. Let me know when she gets back. Good night to be Inspector. Help yourself, Cassidy. Well, I checked for the telephone company, sir. And it's big news, if I, I don't mind saying it myself. Yes? Anything like Catherine Kingston going out to meet a man? A A what? You've heard of the species, Cassidy. And I'm sure you've heard of Central Park. Is that where she went with him? Mm Mm-hmm. In broad daylight. (laughs) There's no dopping an Irishman, is there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not if he comes from the county Cox. Who's the man? We don't know yet. But he's being tailed. Now, what did you find out at the telephone company? Oh, wait, wait. here's a list of all the cars that came and went from the Kingston house in the last couple of days. Right. Uh, but but uh, it's uh, them last three that was made this morning. Yes, all outgoing. One at 10.30, one at... 10.35. And Kingston was killed at about 11. And this one at one forty-five. Oh, few minutes after we left Mrs. Kingston. Yes, right. Who were these calls made to? Oh, yeah, but I, I got another slip of paper. Now, where did it Oh, yeah, here it is. Now, 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 the first one and the last one to Michael Dolge. So that's the man. Uh-huh. Now, go ahead, Cassidy. I'm just checking. Uh, wait, he was the dead man's cousin. How do you know? Well, I remember seeing his name in the papers after the Kingston wedding. Seems to me he was either the best man or one of the ushers. Uh, but it's not him I'd be worrying about, sir. No? Why not? It's that woman. The one who got the call at 1035. What woman? Amy Cloubertson. Ah, uh, no answer. Michael Doe's most likely out with Captain Kingston. Yeah. Uh, what? what'd you say about a woman? You, uh, Amy Cloubertson. Well, what about her? Well, see, you know how I read the newspapers every day. I know. After I get through with the spot in pages, I always to the society pages. Mm. It's an old habit of mine... I acquired it 32 years ago when I was a rookie on that Fifth Avenue beat. <laughs> you know Fifth Avenue uptown where Central Park lies opposite them glorious mansions with the beautiful... Put down, Cassidy. Well, thank you. Oh, me, them were fine old days. People used to come from all over <laughs> just to look at the Woolworths. Don't let me interrupt you. But you were telling me about a woman... Uh, a woman? Yes, in connection with a murder. The, oh, no, yes, yes. Uh, Amy yes. Claubiton. Well, to so seeing her name again brought to mind a society page item of about five months ago. To the effect that Amy Claubiton and Fennie Kingston were engaged to be married. Catherine, are you sure? Yes, I am, sir, because the diamond ring was mentioned in the same article. How? Where well, did she was at the formal reception? I see. And not two months later, Fennie Kingston married Catherine. It's the old story, Inspector. Not another one, uh, please. The woman's scorn. There's no fury like a woman who expects to marry a millionaire mm-hmm. and gets jilted. Yes. Yes. There's no doubt about it. All right, I'll pick it up on the way out. Well. Oh, bad news, Inspector. For someone. That was a lab just phone. The ring we found is a phony. A perfect imitation. You mean it's made of glass? Not quite. Somebody had a good job done for a few hundred dollars, and the original valued at half a million. Well, it would... might be somewhere in a vault, maybe. But Lots of people wear paste and keep their valuables yes, locked that up. I oh, no, it it like... Yes, sir. Phone the Kingston house. Tell the men to turn that place inside out. Yes, sir. And when you get through, take as many men as you need and contact every diamond cutter in town, especially the ones around Maiden Lane. Yes, sir. Where's that slip of paper with the names on it? Uh, 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 It's right here, sir. The address is too. Give it to me. I'm going out to pay Amy Culbertson a visit. Excuse
3: me. I don't want any.
1: Inspector McKee, police.
3: I still don't want any, but you can come in. I have a scotch on the table. Cigarettes you didn't bring your own. All no, right. thanks. Just yourself. What do you want? Sit down, please. You're here to ask a lot of questions about Fenimore Kingston's murder. Don't waste your bet that know any of the answers.
1: How do you know about his murder?
3: Radio told me.
1: Not today. Not today, Miss Robertson. Why don't you sit down?
3: Maybe I don't want to.
1: Would you have any reason to protect Catherine Kingston?
3: Not one. Well, here's to you.
1: Michael Dole?
3: <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off guard. Why'd you mention his name to me?
1: This pack of matches with his name on the cover.
3: You're pretty smart, aren't you?
1: I have a weakness for matches that are left on tables.
3: All right, so he told me about Fenimore's death. I was at his apartment when Catherine phoned. She told him... Anything else you'd like to know?
1: What time did you meet Fenimore Kingston this morning?
3: I did what?
1: He phoned you at 10.35.
3: How'd you find out about that?
1: You just told me.
3: What? Are you wheedling wheedling? Shall we talk now? Pitch curves and have me swing at him.
1: I'd like to know about you and Fenimore Kingston.
3: I'm through talking to you? Are you?
1: Then suppose we go down to headwater.
3: What for? We're
1: very lonesome.
3: Now, wait and... a minute. Let me go. I haven't done anything.
1: What about you and Kingston? We
3: were engaged. And then he jilted me and married that... Yes? Catherine and I were in the same show. I met Fenimore at a party, and he fell for me like a ton of diamonds. And then, like a fool, I introduced him to Catherine.
1: Why did you phone you this morning? One day. Now, look, Miss Barton. That's the
3: truth told me he was going to divorce Catherine. He found out about her and Michael. He thought I knew something, too.
1: And, of course, you rushed over to Michael's apartment and told him.
3: Not exactly. I tried to make it casual.
1: Three hours later?
3: Mike and I were in the same boat. Both of us had been kicked around by Fenimore. That was a common bond. So
1: you waited from 10.35 until almost 2. Still
3: pitching curves, aren't you?
1: Was it because you tried to get his apartment in the morning and couldn't? No. Or didn't you even try?
3: What do you want from me? I didn't kill anybody. Ben Amor
1: didn't call you to talk about his wife. Then
3: I don't know what he did call me for. He call. asked
1: you about this ring. What? What, you... You wore it for a while, didn't you?
3: Yeah, but I gave it back.
1: This one?
3: Look, mister, there's only one of its kind in the world.
1: Why did he call you about it?
3: Because he thought... Yes. Nothing.
1: He thought you'd know a good imitation from the real thing.
3: You mean that diamonds are fake?
1: We'll find out soon enough, if you're really surprised. Goodbye, for now.
3: Oh, are you going? Sorry. Oh, I'm collapsing. Drop in again sometime. Anytime.
1: Thanks. And let's hope I don't have to return that invitation. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs>
3: Michael.
1: Amy, what are you doing here?
3: I figured she'd drive you home. She was always a lady. Get back in the car. Now, see you here, Amy. Get back, or I'll make a scene that'll turn you both into mummies. Better do as she says, Michael.
1: All right, Kathy. I'll
3: be right behind you, kiddies, in the back seat. Catherine, who told Inspector McKee about me? What? About Fenimore having phoned me this morning. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know he phoned me, don't you? Well, no. Oh, you couldn't tell the truth if he had a mouthful of it and it was choking. Wait a him. minute, Amy. She's trying to frame me. And she'll frame you, too.
1: What was Fenimore talking to you about? Ask
3: her. She was tuned into the extension. Were you, Kathy? No. She had to be. How else? She is...
1: said no, Amy.
3: All oh, right, so she said no. How did Inspector McKee know that I talked to Fenimore and about the diamond, too? The diamond? Yes. you didn't know that beautiful thing was just a hunk of glass That's a lie Well, it wasn't when Fenimore asked me about it this morning He wanted me to return the original Oh, is that why you killed him? Oh, I knew that was coming out of you You'd like the police to think that, wouldn't you? Maybe they already do That wouldn't put you in the clear, Kathy, darling I returned the original to Fenimore Can you prove it? Can you prove that I didn't? wind her up, Michael. She seems to have run down. I think you've said enough, Amy. I'm through. And so is she. For good, I hope.
1: Inspector McKee, homicide.
3: Cassidy talking, sir. Go ahead. I think I found him,
1: Inspector. Who? The diamond cutting fella. Good. What does he say about the Kingston Diamond? Well, sir, it might be the man, and it might not. What? Well, I found him in a small room on the top floor of a small building just around the corner off Maiden Lane. There was no name on the door, just the words Diamond Cutting. But I took a That's And That's a good thing I did, Inspector. Oh. No. For well, there was that poor old fellow stretched out on the floor, dead. Oh, no. A little fellow he was, too. And beaten around the head unmercifully. What's the address? Uh... Oh, oh I, I, I got it written down on a piece of paper. Now, to dip, do, do. Oh, yes, here it is. It's up here, Inspector. All right, Cassidy, I'm doing the best I can. But I, I, I got some information, sir. I checked with some of the neighbors on this Where's floor. the body? Uh, well, I'll take you to it, sir. Well, as I we was saying, I checked. And the fellow's name was Rudolph Leibniz. What else? Well, that's all, sir. He came over from the other side a few years ago. A victim of war and oppression. And to think that his only reward for minding his own How business... How do you know he was minding his own business? It was... well, his reputation in the trade, Inspector. was good. good. He was known to all his neighbors as an honest man, a good worker, and a fine, upstanding character. And, 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 and when your competitors have only is praise... This the room, oh, uh, uh, Yes, sir. Uh, there he is. Yeah. Little old fella, why didn't you tell me his files had been opened and dumped? Well, I was going to. Well, it doesn't matter. Somebody wanted a record and they took it. You uh, think this can be an outcome of the Kingston murder? Maybe, 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 maybe. Let's have a look at the body. Uh, He didn't have a chance. Struck on the back of the head and then beaten until he. Yes. This man's been dead since this morning. Late this morning. Would you be sure about that? Rigor mortis takes at least six hours to set in just beginning. Ah, then it'll be about the time Fannie Kingston was murdered. A little later, but not much. The killer came right from the Kingston house to this place and... All right, Cassidy, there's no point in searching the room. No, sir. We won't find it. Oh. Hello. Hello, operator. Uh, give me police headquarters. Have you got a plan, sir? I hope so, Cassidy. Uh, hello. Uh, give me Murphy and Hamza. Inspector McKee. I hope so, Cassidy. If it works, it'll be a miracle. Well, talk of the hello, miracles, There I want you to have the following three parties picked up. All right. Catherine Kingston, Michael Dole, and Abe Cloverson. You'll find the addresses on my desk. and Keep them in my office until I get there. Now, it's for you, Cassidy. Yes, sir. You stay here. Phone the medical examiner's office and look after the usual details. I'm going out for a long walk. Yes, sir. Those people will wait, even if they don't like it. And let's hope they don't like it enough to burn.
2: It's Mr. McKee. Well,
1: company. How are you, Mrs. Kingston?
3: Why did you have me brought here?
1: And Mrs. what? Miss Robertson?
3: I'm cheerful enough to break your neck.
1: And taking two from three, you must be Michael Doe. We've been waiting for two hours, Inspector.
3: Yes. Why have you had me arrested?
1: It's a habit of mine, Mrs. Kingston, when a murder's been committed. Well,
3: then we are under arrest.
1: For the time being, Miss Now, if you'll excuse me for a moment. Uh, I've been working on another case, and there's some papers on my desk that I...
2: You know right to keep us here. Please, Kathy. Well, he hasn't, Michael. Not without charges. Then wait and try to be calm.
1: Hmm, very interesting. Nothing incriminating in what I said, Inspector. Oh, no. I wasn't referring to that. This memo. Good news.
2: Well, I'm not going to wait here and let you waste my time.
1: Mrs. Kingston, this building is full of policemen. For pity's sake, Kathy, stop being so nervous.
2: If he has anything to say to us, he... I
1: have. One of you killed Fenimore Kingston this morning.
2: I wasn't home.
1: You were out driving. But who saw you, Mrs. Kingston? What? It takes at least two to make an alibi. But
2: surely you don't think that I...
1: Well... You're out of your mind, Inspector. She married him only three months ago. And then she changed her mind. She thought how nice it would be to marry you.
2: Inspector. It's
1: all right, Kathy. He's just fishing. But that wasn't the reason Kingston was killed. What?
3: Mm, look out for him when he pitches curves. You oh. know the
1: reason, Miss Gloverson.
3: Oh, now I'm it, huh?
1: Kingston found out that his famous diamond had become an imitation. My ring. This morning he took it out of the wall safe. The thief, the person who had made the substitution, was in the room with him. And Kingston was shot in the back and killed.
3: Don't look at me, Inspector. I wasn't there.
1: How about you, Mrs. Kingston?
3: I told you.
1: Yes, And you, Mr. Dole? I didn't know anything about Fenimore's death until Catherine phoned me. Then you admit that she phoned me. Of course. It's no secret. I was Fenimore's cousin. And you were making sure that Catherine stayed in the family. Now, look here, Inspector. Excuse me, please. (coughs) Yes? All right. In a few minutes, I'll call you. Now, this memo becomes very important.
2: May we go now.
1: Don't rush me, Mrs. Kingston.
2: But if you're going to work on another case,
1: I'm not. An imitation of the Kingston diamond was made. And by a strange coincidence, shortly after Fenimore Kingston was murdered, the workroom of a diamond cutter was robbed.
3: What's that got to do with us?
1: Miss Robertson, tell me what you know about Rudolph Liebnitz.
3: What I know... Look, I may get around, Would but Would you that...
1: like to see him?
3: All right. That'll make you happy.
1: I'll ask him to come in. What? He's in a room down the hall, Mr. Dodge. I had him brought here from the hospital. From the The hospital. He wasn't dead. You're lying. Murphy, bring Libith in. No. Here. No. No. Never mind. Send in a stenographer. We're going to take a confession. <laughs> Hello. Inspector McKee, I'm sorry to be bothering you at your home, but when I return to headquarters... What is it, Cassidy? Well, it's about that fellow Michael Dolge. He killed his cousin, Fenimore Kingston. Well, that's what the boys told me, but I'm... He took the diamond and had the imitation put in. You don't say. Mm-hmm, about three weeks ago. Wait, how did he get hold of it? That was very simple. Captain wore the ring at a house party. Doge mentioned to Fenimore that the diamond needed cleaning and that he could take care of it for him. Oh, so, so, so he took the stone down to the Eblitz and had an imitation made. That's right. It was so good that Fenimore didn't notice it right away. But this morning... Ah, yes, this morning. It's all in the confession, Cassidy. Ah. Uh, oh, then Kingston knew right away who had stolen the real diamond, didn't he now? Yes, he did now. Oh, to get along with you. <laughs> did, did, did that, why did he bother to phone that Amy
3: Cloubison girl?
1: We'll never know, Cassidy. Maybe he was anxious to turn the clock back uh, to better times. And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, Dead Man Control, based on a story by Helen Riley. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation. Roger Bauer produced and directed. Ted Osborne played Inspector McKee. Alice Frost was Catherine Kingston. Elspeth Eric was Amy. Sherling Oliver was Michael Dolge and Barry Thompson. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the Crime Club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. We have a very unusual story of a will that had the power to kill. It's called Silent Witnesses by John Stephen Strange. In the meantime? Well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. Fine. And we'll look for you next week.
3: Oh,
1: yes. The United States Merchant Marine is offering this opportunity to young men between the ages of 16 and a half and 21. If you are an American citizen and a high school graduate, you are qualified to take the test for enrollment in the Merchant Marine Cadet Corps. Graduates of the Corps are qualified for a license as deck or engineer officer in the Merchant Marine or to a commission as ensign in the Naval Reserve or in the Maritime Service. Discharged veterans of the Armed Services and the Merchant Marine are eligible for the test up to their 24th birthday. They are also allowed five additional points on the test. The test is competitive and will next be held on April 4th. <laughs> This program came from New York. This is the mutual broadcasting system.
0: The Crime Club was a series that aired from 1946 to 1947. It was an offshoot of the publishing imp- imprint of Doubleday Company. Many classic and popular works of detective and mystery fiction had their first U.S. editions published through the Crime Club through this imprint, including all 50 books of The Saint by Leslie Charteris and all of the books in Sax Roamer's Fu Manchu series. Stories from this imprint were first dramatized on the Eno Crime Club, a detective series broadcast on CBS from in 1931 to 1932. The Crime Club novels were not adapted for the later Eno Crime Clues, heard on the Blue Network in, from 1933 to 1936. This version of the Crime Club then moved to the mutual broadcasting system as a half-hour radio series with adaptations from the Doubleday imprint. Each installment was introduced by the series' host, The Librarian, portrayed by Barry Thompson and Raymond Edward Johnson. Raymond was better known as the host of the Inner Sanctum Mysteries. The series began in 1946 and continued until October 1947. In the late 1930s, Universal Pictures made a deal with Doubleday to use the Crime Club imprint for a series of 11 Crime Club mystery films. These films were released from 1937 to 1939, starting with The Westlake Case.